0: This episode of Market Foolery is supported by NetSuite, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform. Download their free guide, 7 Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits, today at netsuite.com/fool. It's Wednesday, August 28th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, and I am joined by Motley Fool analysts Emily Flippin and Jim Mueller. Welcome. How are we feeling?
1: Feeling, feeling pretty good. Feeling hot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Feeling hot. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, things are burning up with uh, with one of our stories
0: today. They are burning up. I love a good segue, just <laughs> right out of the gate, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about a fitness startup, Peloton, going public. They have um, filed their prospectus, and I've confess that I've learned a lot about this company this morning, because I do not have a $2,000 exercise bike at my home.
2: Well, you called it a startup, which shows that you you maybe don't know enough yet.
0: It's all relative. It's been around for a while, right?
2: (laughs) It has. It's very popular. It's
0: an older startup. And we're also going to talk about KFC getting into the Beyond Meat, or in this case, the Beyond Chicken game, testing Beyond Chicken. We'll talk about that. But let's begin with Altria and Philip Morris two tobacco companies, in advanced talks to merge. And if this sounds vaguely familiar, it's because it would reunite them after they split apart in 2008. Jim Mueller, what do you think of it all? I think it's a very interesting story, and it
1: has a lot of... um play in what's happening today with e-cigarettes and vaping and all that. So, in 2003, Philip Morris renamed itself Altria, trying to get away from the poor branding that Philip Morris itself had. And that didn't really work, but okay. Altria then, in 2008, spun off Philip Morris International and basically separated itself into two companies. U.S. only, and that was Altria, and then Philip Morris International, which was everywhere else. They sold the same stuff. They sold the same brands, uh, Marlboro being the big one. Uh, But uh, the U.S. was was separate from uh, the international. And that was because of expected uh, increased regulation and litigation in the, st- in the states. The the, the uh, There were still a lot of uh, lawsuits going on, and Philip Morris felt it could do better. And this was right where the global financial crisis was happening, 2008. What actually happened is regulation moderated over the following decade, up into the 2015-16 uh, timeframe, and the U.S. dollar remains strong, both of which kind of hurt this, this separation, especially Especially since Philip Morris International was pay, paying dividends in U.S. dollars. And so today, smoking is down around the world, especially in the U.S., Uh, Shipments are down about 10% over the past decade for Philip Morris, about 35% down for Altria. But Altria is much more profitable than Philip Morris, earning about $7 billion of net income on $20 billion in revenue last year, versus $8 billion in net income for Philip Morris on $30 billion. So, Altria is more profitable, and that's because Altria and BAT has been able to uh, raise prices steadily and better in the U.S. Emily,
0: what do you think?
2: Well, for maybe younger listeners, younger investors out there, um, you know, personally, I haven't really looked at tobacco companies, but I know the name Altria because Altria has some really proactive, you could say, investments into. Cannabis company, Kronos Group, and Jewel, e vaping company. So I recognize the names from their investments, and it'll be interesting to see what happens to Altria's investments if this merger does go through, because PMI has been pretty open about the fact that they. Aren't interested in getting into either of those spaces, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with Jewel and Kronos.
1: And Jewel has been expanding sales internationally, kind of cannibalizing Philip Morris's thing, but uh, the merger would help Jewel in that in getting. International distribution, especially with Juul uh, being in trouble with regulators, uh, following, That's an all, understatement. <laughs> following all these uh, uh, all these issues with lung diseases that are, mm-hmm. are cropping up, and a recent death in Illinois, I believe, uh, from
0: a, a vaping-related lung disease. And we talked about this a bit on Monday's market flurry. But when when we think about vaping, is that going to essentially follow the same trajectory as traditional tobacco products and smoking, where it gets regulated to the point, and then and then it really seems to take hold in the U.S. And so the growth is all overseas. Is that is that where vaping is headed? Is vaping basically where smoking was in the 90s?
2: I, I'm not sure if I agree with that. In- entirely, because vaping at this point hasn't been proven to cause something like lung cancer. That's not to say it's healthy. Like Jim mentioned, there's already been one vaping-related illness associated in Illinois. So, the fact is, we don't know the long-term effects of it. I will say that Altria already has investments into other industries as well. So, you look at nicotine being the addictive substance in things like e-cigarettes and traditional cigarettes, they have investments into companies that are looking to create edible nicotine. So, nicotine that you can ingest without having having to smoke or vape. So, there's still an opportunity for them to expand, I just think it's going to require a lot of research.
1: And then there's one more uh, thread to this story in that Philip Morris has been spending billions of dollars developing smokeless heated-up tobacco uh, in something called IQOS, which is like a cigarette, Uh, it has a cigarette-like Piece injected into this heater that you then draw in the vaporized uh, products from the heated up tobacco, and they're hoping to uh, make that uh, grow sales. and And the FDA just recently, last April, I believe, approved sales of it. Though Philip Morris wants to make it uh, market it as a safer alternative,
0: and FDA has not yet said yes on that. Well, speaking of hoping to grow sales, KFC is busting out Beyond Fried Chicken. Yes, they are getting into the Beyond Meat game. Now, they are testing the new recipe in their Atlanta store. It's a plant-based protein um, instead of chicken. KFC, part of Yum! Brands, which we should remind everyone, also owns Taco Bell and Pizza Hut, among others. Emily, so far so good in Atlanta. Beyond Fried Chicken sold out in less than five hours. What do you think?
2: KFC was smart to test this in Georgia. Southerners love their fried chicken. So if it's sold out in five hours in Georgia, hopefully this means there's going to be a national rollout. Um, I think that potential for KFC to expand their Beyond Fried Chicken to all of their locations is still there. We saw that a similar thing happen with Burger King and the Impossible Whopper. Um, As a newly minted vegetarian, I am personally interested, extremely interested in trying this Beyond Chicken. Uh, Fried chicken, I think, is one of those foods that it's hard for people who are trying to be conscious about their meat consumption to give up. But I will say what I thought was particularly interesting about this this story in particular is that they actually cook the Beyond Meat uh, chicken in the same fryers that they cook. Regular chicken in, which means for strict vegan vegetarians, they're actually not going to be able to eat this product. And it, it's I think it's actually a calculated move on their part because they're going to say that they don't see their target market as vegan vegetarians. They see their target market as people who are trying to be more flexitarian. They if they can avoid choosing a meat product, they will choose to avoid it.
0: Is that flexitarian? Did you make that up? Or is oh, I know it's a thing. It's a oh, thing. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I'm I'm a flexitarian. I've decided.
2: Well, it's like a flexitarian is <laughs> somebody who's conscious. Yeah. Meat conscious consumers. Oh, no,
0: I'm not a flexitarian. <laughs> <laughs> Jim, what do you think? Um,
1: yeah, the I, I, I'd i like to see does it, it's supposed to taste like chicken, right? Just like the Beyond uh, the Impossible Burger is supposed to taste like beef. Uh, but does it have the same mouthfeel? Does it have. Uh, no, when, probably not. When you cut it, uh, does it have the same fibers that chicken and has? I, I don't and,
2: think that matters, if I'm honest with you. I think it needs to taste good. I think it needs to taste close enough to meat that people will feel good about making that choice while still not sacrificing all the taste. But as it stands right now, I don't think there's any meat substitute on the market that will give you the entire experience of eating meat. I think we're getting there. I just don't think we're there yet. So,
0: does this make you more excited about Yum Brands as an investor? I,
2: I was already excited about Yum Brands. You don't need to get me excited about Taco Bell. I'm already there. Yum China has actually been on fire recently. So, I was already. I'm not an active investor myself, but I was already excited about the company to begin with.
1: No, I was just going to make one more point about uh, these these meat substitutes. The, mm. the plant base is. Okay, so uh, the farms uh, raising the cattle are going to be replaced with farms raising what is it? Soy protein, Uh, soybeans as the base of these now, Uh, plus all the all the additives they have to add to make it taste like beef, and and the heme protein to make it taste like beef. What are they add? Uh, Are they adding something to chicken to make it taste like the chicken? (laughs) I don't know. I mean, everything's supposed to taste like chicken, right? So, (laughs) uh, well, it 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 uh, gets away from animals, sure. But it's not necessarily as good for uh, the environment overall.
2: Oh, well, actually, it's better for the environment. It? I think, oh, significantly. So, cattle continues to be one of those things um, that that contributes a lot to to environmental degradation, especially in the United States. So, environmentally, I think the argument sound for for meat alternatives. I think where you get into an argument is the health argument, right? right? There's a lot of people saying these additives are not necessarily better for you to consume versus meat. But I right. actually think that the target market, like I said, is aren't people looking for a healthy alternative. I think they're just people looking to reduce their meat consumption.
0: Well, as an aspiring flexitarian, I may give it a shot. (laughs) Great. Before we get to our next story, I want to say thanks to NetSuite. If you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. But the problem that growing businesses have, the thing that keeps them from knowing their numbers, is this hodgepodge of business systems. Systems are supposed to make things easier. They're supposed to help us Stay organized. And yet, you've got a system for accounting, another one for sales, another for inventory. What a mess. Doesn't that sound like a mess? And inefficient, taking up too much time and sucking up way too many resources. So, Emily, Jim, that's where NetSuite by Oracle comes in. It's a business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy to use cloud platform, giving you the visibility and control you need to grow. With NetSuite, you save time, money, and unneeded headaches. How do you feel about saving time, money, and headaches?
2: If I can do it, I'll do it.
0: I'll avoid headaches every time. Oh, absolutely. Well, you can save all of those by managing sales, finance, and accounting orders and in HR instantly right from your desktop or phone. That's why NetSuite is the world's number 1 cloud business system. And right now, NetSuite is offering you valuable insights with a free guide, Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits at netsuite.com fool. That's netsuite.com slash fool to download your free guide, Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits, netsuite.com slash fool. And for our final story, we're going to talk Peloton, the home fitness, exercise, bike, lifestyle brand company that you won't find anywhere in my house. They filed for an IPO on Tuesday. Now, as I mentioned earlier, $2,000 indoor bikes, that's one of the things they sell they're internet connected, and then you pay a subscription to join a class. Emily, are you buying?
2: You sound way too negative about the premise of the company there, Mac. It's, a, it's an interesting company. The thing that I found most interesting about their their filing was how much they're posing in revenue. So nearly a billion dollars in revenue over the past 12 months on uh, a half million different subscribers. So they're getting this really high, I guess you could say, for the, for the bike, upfront fee, $2,500, plus recurring revenue from their subscriptions. So as a business, it actually um, isn't as bad as some may think. I think, unfortunately, home exercise equipment does get a bad rep, but I think Jim as we were talking earlier, mentioned, there's not much of a moat here with this business. I just
0: think yeah. Nordic Track, that's the problem. And, that's, <laughs> and, and, and you are right. There was some negativity. I apologize for that. But it, it just feels like this is going to end up being a paperweight.
1: No, I think their revenue growth is uh, very impressive. Uh, it was 110% uh, revenue growth last year to 915 million. Uh, unfortunately, they're growing their losses at 300% a rate. Uh, they went from a loss of 48 million to a loss of 196 million at the, over the same time period and that really scares me as an investor uh, especially for something that for a company that's been around for so long and is selling equipment in a subscription business what are they spending all that money on i'm not sure and uh, i'm kind of worried about that hopefully they um, in the in the s1 like many of these uh, fast revenue growing companies that have been coming public recently they're saying we might not ever be profitable as an investor, I don't like seeing those words. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a possibility, but I'd prefer a company that uh, is actually making money.
2: I've clearly been looking at the wrong companies recently because that didn't bother me at all. Um, you know, I, d- I know about Peloton, obviously, from its has a really large social media following. So where I imagine a lot of those investments are going is just building the brand, building the awareness, and they've been extremely successful in that. So Soul Cycle is something that, you know, a few years ago got extremely popular. Um, Peloton's kind of playing off that same popularity, except for giving it to you in your own home. Um, SoulCycle itself expressed interest in potentially creating a home exercise bike similar to Peloton. So it'll be interesting to see if they see this market as lucrative enough to innovate and go after it themselves.
0: And when you you mentioned SoulCycle. So for Peloton, is their primary competition essentially a gym membership or a membership to a place like SoulCycle or is their primary competition some other home fitness option?
2: My gut told me, when I first started looking at this company, that it was the high-end kind of gym memberships, the soul cycles, the classes of the world. If you can get access to these experts in the comfort of your own home, why wouldn't you do that? But if you actually read their S-1, they're they're going after a, a lower demographic. They said, I think $50,000 was, was kind of their minimum income. And then they were saying that they had the largest growth in people under 35 who made less than $75,000 a year. That makes me think that maybe they're actually competing with with the lower-end gym memberships out there.
1: And that kind of worries me, because then it becomes more like a commodity. And do they want to go down the commodity route of lower and lower prices? I mean, yeah, $2,500 does seem to uh, impose a fairly high uh, switching cost once you've bought that bike. But if you can get the bike for $1,500 or $1,000 in a few years, uh, or you can get a SoulCycle bike or a, or a, a Nordic track bike for the same thing. Uh, how much of that are they going to do, or is Peloton going to go high end and try to stay at that exclusive lifestyle choice? Look at me, I'm a Peloton user, uh, and I've got the apparel to prove it, and and all this other stuff. You know, that might be a, a better route for the company to go
0: down. Okay, so a a non-Peloton question, but on the subject of fitness, I can't touch my toes. I've never been able to come anywhere close to being able to touch my toes. And here's the question, and, and I put it to colleagues um, recently. If I start stretching and I do all the right things, can I, over time, learn to touch my toes? Or is that largely genetic? Is is the cake baked?
2: Wait, do people actually think that they're genetically un- Able to touch their toes? You, you think you were born me with Have you try that,
0: to touch my toes? I think I you just can think teach yourself
2: if you try. Stretch you really every think, day. Yeah, do do yoga. Do yoga. I don't I don't do yoga myself, but I've anecdotally heard yoga is great for helping people relax their muscles. But to the you, extent where they can touch their toes, I,
0: I don't. That would be amazing. That would be an. That's that's going to be on my bucket list. I Mac, you invited the wrong people into the studio. You need Sam Whiteside in here. <laughs> <laughs> she, she did, she's our a uh, uh, fitness uh, fool here. I know, and and she'd be able to answer your she questions. She put together. A stretching routine for me, and I even put it on my Outlook. And it was so (laughs) sad because every day, this is what happened if I did the whole Peloton thing. Um, Every day, I would just look at this appointment for stretching to remind me to stretch, and I would just delete or ignore. (laughs) And I finally just took it off my Outlook because it was so sad. It was so sad.
2: That makes me sad too, Mac.
0: Yeah. So, but you know, it wasn't $2,000 plus a subscription. Yeah. Well, we need
1: to get you a Peloton. So, that's that's, the thing. Then then, then you're invested in it.
0: Well, that's the thing. Maybe, and maybe just to bring it back around. Maybe once you've made that upfront investment, maybe you are much more inclined to use it. Although gym memberships, that doesn't always work. Yeah, well, the 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 thirty-nine dollar is that the monthly. Yeah,
2: about thirty-nine dollars for Peloton. For the
0: for
1: the full thing with Peloton uh, is certainly an expense, but it's easy to just ignore that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, once you've spent that twenty-five hundred dollars, you you probably.
2: I'd be feel on that really bike bad. every day. At least, at
0: least for the first <laughs> oh,
2: yeah, week. As I say at least for the first week, then I forget about <laughs> it.
0: <laughs> okay, so let's wrap up with the Desert Island question. It's a little tricky because we have Altria <laughs> and Philip Morris who may end up merging. Um so we'll we'll treat those right now we could, we'll treat them as the same company. Um, and we've got KFC which is part of Young Brands and we've got the soon to IPO Peloton. If you had to own one of those for the next 5 years, which one would you go with?
2: I'm second guessing our, our choice of stories today based off the stock selection. <laughs> um, no, I, I think I have to go with Yum Brands. I mean, like I said, I'm a big fan of Taco Bell. They opened up a hotel, a resort. They've they've proven that Taco Bell is not a fast food chain; it is a lifestyle brand. Maybe KFC can do the same.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with Yum China. Actually, Ooh. nice the, the nice. Mm-hmm. So uh, that one's really growing nicely. Yum Brands, if I had to, Yum China, if I had my uh, druthers. I want to stay away from cigarettes, and I don't think Peloton's going to do well.
2: I agree.
0: Okay. Well, Jim and Emily, thanks for joining me.
2: Thanks for having us. Thanks,
0: Mac. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Austin Morgan. I'm Matt Greer. Now, we are taking Thursday off, and the stock market is closed Monday for Labor Day, so we will be back in action on Tuesday, September 3rd. Have a great Labor Day holiday weekend. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week.